just so proud of a man. I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. On today's podcast, I have part three with Coop about philosophy versus ideology. We're talking about becoming a childish nation, living in a childish nation, and uh, what the hell's wrong with the youth today? But first, as always, RyanBunting.com for all of your graphic design needs. That's RyanBunting.com. Ryan Bunting is a great anarcho-capitalist and a great libertarian, as well as a great graphic designer. He designed my podcast logo and Pete Quinones, a free man beyond the walls podcast logo. He also wrote a great fiction story, book, novel, whatever, so that you can pick up at his website, ryanbunting.com. That's R-Y-A-N-B-U-N-T-I-N-G.com. And as always, thank you, Mr. Tom Burton, for the music. Enjoy. Okay. Mr. Coop. How are you doing? How are you doing? Oh, we're doing well. It's been, good, a, good. It's been a little while. We've been trying to make this work and yeah, between... <laughs> Our schedules sometimes just don't line up. Life. Life gets in the way. Yes, it does. <laughs> so I remember uh, last time I, I said I was going to talk about the, uh, the issue that we're having with the male population and how that relates to the greater societal impact. But I think we have to back up a bit because I, I've got something that's going to open up a lot more avenues, including that one. Um, I, I'd like to first lay down a, a bit of a, a framework for this and that all human behavior, um, not, not just the physiological aspects, which, which people tend to focus on, but behavioral aspects are, are very um, influenced by the evolutionary process. Um, and that's something that evolutionary psychology has been has been tackling, um, and it's been actually bringing a lot of uncomfortable truths about our species to the forefront. Um, the reason I think predominantly being um, is because a lot of our behavior evolved behaviors um, conflict with our technological advances and our societal advances. So we have instincts that are no longer applicable, say, to an urbanite living in an apartment building, but they're vestiges of something that was very important when we were still prey for big cats, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> and that directly affects um, various movements towards uh, a, a progressive concept of society in that, in that a status quo is more representative of a society that is influenced by our primary evolutionary drive versus the concept of, of what we could be or aspiration. So if we're going to touch back on the concept 
versus uh, practicality um, discussion. Um, concepts, and I didn't want it to come off as, as concepts being a, a, a negative thing altogether. That's absolutely ludicrous. Um, the question is whether or not a concept is applicable or, or conducive to um, how we've evolved. So if you have concepts that are in direct opposition to how we have evolved, especially regarding our behaviors, then, then you're going to have a concept that has potentially destructive outcomes if it is applied in a practical sense. Um, a study was done, I think, in 2008, I'm not sure, and it showed uh, uh, chimpanzees understand the concept of capitalism, um, and they employ capitalism. Uh, and it was, <laughs> it was pretty revelatory in the sense that uh, female chimpanzees would quite literally prostitute themselves in order to get prized food items. In that in that sense of exchange. Now, this is not a this is not a uh, an endorsement of prostitution or purchasing services from prostitutes. But if you want to get down to base level humanity and how that is reflected in our society, we can have an entire other conversation about that. <laughs> <clears throat> but well, uh, look, can I can I ask you something real quick? Because you absolutely you, you're making me you you reminded me of a something I'd heard a while back. I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was a uh, Brett Weinstein Weinstein, however you say his name. Um, yep. So I believe it was him that said the evolutionary path that that nature provides for for organisms and for creatures uh, animals is is very slow and so when you look at the evolutionary path of humanity and societies of humanity it it's very gradual and very slow up into the technological point and then tech technology advanced at such a rapid rate that it passed up the evolutionary abilities of man. So therefore well, it has created like this kind of um, turmoil within society. How, how do you would, look at uh, something like that? Well, I, I would suggest that, that again, this is the physiological comparison that I'd like to avoid because yes, um, our species physiologically evolves very slow and species physiologically evolve very slow. But once we, once we learn to cook food and mm -hmm. unlock nutrients mm -hmm. um, using fire, that allowed for increased brain development. So from there, it's been a rocket ship of evolution based upon the increased function of our brain to expand conceptualization. Okay. And and when we did that, we started affecting our own behavioral evolution. And it, it's been a rocket ride. And then you add uh, advancements in technology because of, of, of the ability to conceptualize uh, uh, outside of instinctual behaviors. Mm -hmm. And from that, you get uh, agricultural growth, uh, permanent settlements, um, and a demand for our behavior to adjust to 
uh, being in larger population centers. Um, and then the requirement for those to be managed, et cetera, et cetera. It's a, a, big, a big exponential bump to how we've had to come to grips with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there's always been this battle in, uh, in the intellectual sphere as to whether or not, whether or not accepting our selves as an animal species um, in whole with all of the, with all of the uh, bad things and good things wrapped into, wrapped into how we make decisions or whether or not we should forgo the negative aspects of our species right. and, and work on a purely aspirational model. And that purely aspirational model that, uh, that basically subverts instinctual reality um, is the, the grift of most religious aspects. You know, uh, we yeah. can attain enlightenment. You can be an enlightened being, whatever the fuck that means. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> well, I know what that means. It, it, it's basically a descriptive of a, a psychopathy, um, which is apparently what I think every Buddhist unintentionally aspires to be is detached. And detached is a quite often used as a as a descriptor for people that are psychopaths, um, <laughs> and I'm amazed that more people haven't picked up on that. Um, regardless, back to uh, evolutionary psychology and and how our behaviors have been been influenced by by evolution. What we see today, currently in society, is uh, uh, turning up the uh, heat on that argument because we are hitting a technological point where a being's entire awareness and existence can be completely outside of the material or instinctual um, set of behavior patterns that that are that our species has. Um, and being that being a virtual or a computer reality. Um, so the attempt to shed um, evolutionarily influenced behavior and replace it with, with uh, an aspirational reality is in conflict as a result of this and, and it's been, it's turned up. So you get the blatant denial of things that everybody, uh, well, if you said certain things 30 years ago, people would just look at you and think that you were crazy. Right. But now, but now you're looked at as a pariah. If you don't believe that, mm-hmm. which is a pretty good indication that, uh, there's, there's something in that space in between that, uh, isn't being accounted for. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I've read here recently and I, I've been talking about is that a lot of these guys that are looking to develop technologies into um, into control the way that technologies are used in our society. One of the things a lot of them are writing about and, you know, this goes right along with the conceptualization is, is they're trying to determine how to detach meaning from work and they talk 
openly about virtual reality space as a way to create meaning for for people that are no longer essential in uh in the labor market yes absolutely um and that that goes into another uh another topic that we're going to jump into um, as it's attached to both males and females in our society and, and the purpose, the traditional purpose behind the roles of male and female um, as, it relates to, as it relates to evolution in our species is being clouded um, as it is not looked at as a <clears throat> positive aspect of our species, it's looking at being looked at now as something that is holding us back. So yeah, uh, wanting to have children, wanting to have a, a family, wanting to be in a good stable relationship with a member of the opposite sex, as is the regular biological imperative for the vast majority of individuals is now being looked at as something that is going to halt the further evolution of our species as opposed to the primary vehicle through which our species evolves. Um, so we can, uh, we can start looking at, you mentioned Brett Weinstein, Weinstein, which is good. There's, he has a small video on exploratory behaviors in evolution. And he uh, refers to um, salmon run, where if the salmon all go and return to the same place where they were spawned, then eventually that area, that, that river that they go up, mm -hmm. becomes too crowded. And that decreases the likelihood of success for individual salmon in their spawn. So you will get some salmon that, that go into an exploratory mode of behavior and they find another stream to go up and spawn. Now, the trade-off is that they're gonna have a, an immense amount of, of success because they're not competing. However, the danger is that they maybe don't find something that's suitable and therefore do not spawn at all. So it's a high risk, high reward situation. And I would suggest that um, our behaviors are, are very much like that. In our society, we have uh, all of the salmon that go to the same stream where they were born and repeat that process over and over again, which is the form a family unit, have children, um, pass down your genetic components and your values, hopefully to your children so that they can carry on that cycle. Um, however, we do have exploratory modes of behavior where people try living a different way. People try different concepts with, with regards to how to find a fulfilling or meaningful life. And the vast majority of people that, that utilize that um, have to also find uh, a purpose or a sense of fulfillment in that life through an exploratory mode of, of discovery um, and, and fail at it because we still evolved as a species 
to to what is considered a, a primitive a primitive reality as opposed to an aspirational one. Yeah. So exploratory modes and behavior um, have a have a method of being enforced by greater society because sometimes those exploratory modes of behavior are inherently antisocial or asocial even. Um, and the result is that, that as, as children in a child society, I, I think it's not uncommon for everybody to know or to say how cruel children can be to each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. I think that's a given, something that everybody accepts as a reality. And that it actually has uh, an evolutionary function in, in derision to curb behaviors which can be detrimental to the whole by individuals being discouraged from pursuing certain avenues of exploratory behavior. So making fun of this kid because this kid behaves this way is an evolutionary method to correct that child's behavior before they can have a greater impact on society with a negative exploratory behavior. Right. And you can see that we've crushed that idea with the anti-bullying lobby, right? And I'm not saying this is, this is, <laughs> I'm not applying any, any morality to it. Certainly nobody wants to be bullied and certainly it is a big, big problem, right? Mm-hmm. But when we remove that from the sphere, then what we're doing is we're taking away an, a, a behavioral tool that has evolved that curbs that negative behavior, and we're not replacing it with anything else that forms the same function, right? Yeah. Well, and there was also so, when, you know, I, I looked, I've looked back at my life growing up. And, you know, I was one of the, my generation, you know, we're probably like the tail end of the latchkey kids, right? We were kind of kicked out of the house, told to go do our own thing. We policed ourselves. We did our own shit. And then we'd come back home at the end of the day. And, and that was that. But as, as generations, you know, have progressed since, you know, the early nineties, specifically in the, you know, mid 2000s like the the teens um i would you see more what they called helicopter parenting and and the kids weren't really allowed to be kids i I remember there was that story of the lady who sent her nine-year-old exploring through new york city to learn the subway system and and you know everybody had a had a fit about it and i mean she wrote a whole book on it i can't remember her name off the top of my head but you know there's there's this absence of freedom that that children are experiencing nowadays they expect to be micromanaged they expect to always have that authority figure above their head and so there isn't that that socializing behavior of working your problems out and i think that goes along with the anti-bullying campaigns you know yes absolutely and and here's the thing um it's very easy for any child to learn 
um, what behaviors are not acceptable around adults. But if they're denied the, the exploration to, to find out what behaviors are not acceptable amongst their peers, then all they've done is, is learn to hide behaviors from their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and without any, without any negative blowback on, on peer-to-peer behavior, they, they do not have a, a compass when it ta- comes time for them to be socially independent. Right. And like I say, this is not an endorsement of bullying. This is a recognition that it actually served an evolutionary function. You did not want your child um, in a tribal sense um, doing something that could be completely disastrous for the entire tribe simply because they were never reprimanded or curbed from uh, uh, that negative behavior, mm-hmm. right? And unfortunately, that same mechanic, even though, even though we have a, a different technology, more advanced and, and, and progressed concepts of how our society is, Compared to compared to purely being evolutionarily influenced, um, the effect that would be spread out um, if we lived in smaller societies, but still had our technological capability, uh, is actually compounded when you have a, a, a generations of individuals that that have never experienced that, that derision for the negative social behavior. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, now, what, what we see is um, the effect of that in the lack of respect for foundational principles in current generations that are that are uh, ideologically um, adhering to things that they never were reprimanded for, for when they were young, which is uh, lack of respect for other people's property, um, a lack of respect for another individual's uh, right of free speech, mm-hmm. another uh, a lack of of consideration for for the future, right? Yeah. Um, you you say, oh well, you know, let's tear it all down. Let's tear it all down. But without without any recognition that there are you know millions of elderly people that are dependent upon, entirely upon a healthcare system staying together, right? Right. Um, that that doesn't enter into consideration, right? Because it's me, me, me. That right. concept of me, me, me has has never never faced derision before from peers. So it becomes an accepted an accepted modality in which you can find commonality amongst other resentful people. And yeah. that's that's just it. 
these movements are these movements that we see now are using old concepts and old ideologies, right? Yeah. As an expression of their resentment towards a society that does not accept the behaviors that they were not curbed from when they were young. Yeah, it, you have, I mean, basically you have 20-year-old toddlers, you know, 30-year-old toddlers running around throwing hissy fits, throwing, you know, wanting to get their way. And, yeah, you, I mean, you look at it and you're trying to piece together where the, one of the things I've, I've, I've really tried to examine is like, where, where is this disconnect? And that's what got me thinking about, you know, the helicopter parenting and things like that. And I look at how my kids are and how they act. And it's, you know, I, I raised them the exact same way I was raised. You know, I was like, y'all go get out of the house. I don't care if you want to play video games, get out of the house, go do your thing, you know, engage with the world, you know, some go have fun with your friends a little bit, you know? Yeah. If I need to, if I need to check on you, I'll come outside. I'll make sure you're all right. You know? And, yeah. And what, what you're describing is the continuity and the, the continuity was lost when, when parenting was determined by a, a greater society rather than the instinctual basis of parenting. Mm. Right. And the instinctual basis of parenting is, well, I think my parents did a good job raising me, so I'm not going to fix something that isn't broken. Mm-hmm. That's the pattern I'm going to repeat. And this is the level of success I can expect. Right. But, right. When, but when society steps in and says, oh, no, you as a parent must do things this way, right? Because this is the society uh, we're creating. Then they're, they're basically cutting that connection to, to traditional parenting and turning it into institutional parenting. Right. And uh, we, can, we can thank Benjamin Spock, Dr. Spock, <clears throat> for, for that wonderful advancement when he wrote the penultimate book on raising a child. Meanwhile, he was a terrible father. But regardless, um, it was a book that basically... <laughs> basically clinic turned parenting into a, a clinical process um, by describing instinctual behaviors that, that, that people innately recognize or innately graft onto. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, uh, if you have uh, behaviors um, that are, I, I, it's hard for me to say it's not negatively rewarded, um, so to speak. Um, uh, one child bullies another, and then they're forced to hug in the principal's office or something like that. Mm-hmm. That is, that is a negative reward for the bully. And, and that there is no consequence, right? Yeah. Other than, other than, um, being momentarily shamed, right? But, but not shamed in, a, in an action that has any price or cost, right? 
Right. But instead, what you're doing is forcing a virtue signal from the child. Right. Which and washes, then- which washes out the concept, the thick concept of virtue that altogether. So it, it turns being good into being uh, a person who acts good instead of a person who is good. Right. Yeah. Whereas opposed to a situation you, you have them hug in private in the principal's office where, whereas only they know what happened there. But if you have them hug in front of the entire school, he's going to, he's going to get laughed at and, and people are going to shame him. You know, oh, I'm suggesting, I'm suggesting that I'm suggesting that, uh, that, that that is even that would be broadening the spectrum of virtue signaling. So that'd be the equivalent of saying sorry in private or saying sorry in front of all your friends on social media for something so that they can all see how good of a person you are. It's a negative, it's a negative behavioral reward for a negative, a negative behavior. Oh, okay. Cause I, I, I think the kids that I was in school with, would have would have held that over my head for years <laughs> yes but the, but but we've gotten but we've gotten away from that type of social derision right okay yeah I see, okay I you see, see what i'm saying so it wouldn't but, but have it wouldn't, kids, it wouldn't, have kids it wouldn't really be moved, cool to make fun of that kid have kids days. really moved away from that no they haven't they have in they have to parents and administration mm-hmm. right mm-hmm uh, but in private, it's just it's just undergone an evolution of of more subtlety, right? And it's taken different avenues, right. and because because it's because it's oppressed to um, from the from the public view and kept within peers, mm-hmm. then then because of the illusion of being able to get away with it is there, mm-hmm. right? then the effect is, is far, far uh, more devastating, right? Mm-hmm. So you have, you have uh, kids. I had no idea they were being uh, bullied on social media like that or from their school. Um, and it's really sad that they committed suicide, right? right? Um, and it's because it's being more hidden. There has to be a certain level of accepting that derision serves a, a social evolutionary social purpose that is actually very protective for society as a whole. Mm-hmm. And that if we drive it underground or or discourage it improperly with negative with negative reward, right? Uh-huh. Then we're creating a, a scenario where bullying. Um, isn't just a, a peer corrective measure, right? Mm-hmm. It becomes a, a, a deadly powerful tool, which we're handing to children to utilize, right? Yeah. And you, you can look at the same, you can look at the same concept as, as affecting um, certain populations in the United States that have a no snitch culture. And how that, that no snitch culture does nothing but accentuate the violence done to these communities, right? Because there's there's more derision coming from from snitching than there is uh, a negative consequence to the violence, right? 
And it, you can apply that to, you can apply that to the teenage of scope <laughs> as well. If, if you, if you snitch right mm-hmm. to the end and, and break that, uh, break that bubble of, Oh yes, we've eradicated bullying and this is how we deal with it. Then, then you are treated like a rat, right? Which yeah. has more of a devastating concept right. attached to it, you know? So how um, much, uh, how much of this is, comes back to the absence of fathers in households? Um, what, what fathers do um, typically is in their interrelations with their children, right? Mm-hmm. They will quite often find something that is a, a, a weakness, right, in their child right. and play on it in the sense of teasing, right? Right. And in doing so, they will affect either a change in that behavior or in that way of think- thinking to strengthen their child or their child becomes used to dealing with uh, the fact that they have a, a, a flaw right. and that they're okay with it. Yeah. Right? And it becomes a joke. They, they, they develop thick skin. They develop a thick skin, but there's as also, well as recognition that they aren't perfect. Right? right. Yeah. But I was also thinking about the balance that a father brings to the household. Um, whereas you're not dealing so much with the emotional and with the, the overprotective mother, you know, well, the, the role of the, the role, traditional role of the male in the family situation is to show the value of emotional control. Right. Whereas the traditional mother's role, right. Mm -hmm. is, Is to empathize with the expressed emotion Mm-hmm. And between the two, um, the child will learn which is appropriate and when. Right. Without, without one or the other, you have an imbalance where the child grows into an adult that doesn't know what emotion is appropriate when and when they should be controlling that emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, 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 it's devastating. It's uh, basically taking a society and saying, oh, well, society, you're not going to grow past the age of 13. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it it really it really makes you makes me want to reflect on Antonio Gramsci and his writings and how he was conspiring to to utilize the the communist movement to attack culture. He believed the places to start was the family, the church, and the and the education. And yes, you, can, you have to de- destroy thick concepts before you can before you can invite your own. Right, and and it it's almost like like he was aware that the the immaturity and and the inability to control yourself on a mo- in an emotional level would lead more people down the road of revolution, which is what he was looking for, a, a, a second Bolshevik revolution. 
And yes, and it would lead the 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 lack of self control would lead you down that road. And so yes. we are experiencing in in a lot of ways today the results of that over years and years and years of chiseling away at these institutions that had been such a backbone to society for so many years. Yes, it is the politicized resentment of behaviors that are socially unacceptable, right? Yes. That, that were not nipped in the bud. Right. Um, well, it's, and- it goes by the name entitlement, uh, uh, a whole, a whole, there's a whole family of descriptors that goes in with that. Um, mm. I am entitled to this, me, 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 selfishness, uh, self-centeredness. Well, it's, um, a, it's, it's almost like it's a evolution of the liberation theology that came out of uh, the Catholic religion down in Latin America. Well, um, it has, it has an unfortunate parentage, right? Mm-hmm. In, in the recognition of individual rights, right? Yeah. Um, which is not the intent of the Enlightenment thinkers. The Enlightenment thinkers wanted individual liberty and value of the individual within societies mm-hmm. um, to be, be the sole purpose of, of the state's protective measures. But in order to have a society like that, people also had to be taught personal responsibility. So what happens when you only have half that equation is you have extreme self-centered entitlement, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the belief that, that a government is a separate entity from the people and that the government is supposed to fulfill the role of a providing parent Mm -hmm. and that if they are not being the providing parent, right. Yeah. Then, then what we have is a society that is oppressive simply because they're not being given everything. Right. And it's, that's the positive right aspect. And, and I remember Jordan Peterson was talking about this years ago when he was talking about everybody's so concerned about rights, but nobody's concerned about responsibilities. Exactly. That that's it exactly. It with <laughs> Spider Man had it right. With great power comes great responsibility, right. and and with with the expectation of individual respect, it it is not a given that you have the respect. It is given that you are treated as an individual. The respect is earned when you show yourself to be personally responsible for yourself as an individual. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, you, and we you. have the resentment because the entitlement is that they feel that they deserve respect because they're an individual. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not, you, everybody's not, heard the saying, you can't help somebody until they're willing to help themselves. Well, when people don't see any value to helping themselves, right. Right. Um, or their minimal efforts to help themselves haven't been rewarded with great success, then it just plays into the concept of of greater resentment, right? right? And resentful behavior is something that used to be derided. Right. Right. 
uh, I'll get over it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Get over it. Move on. My mom you used know? to always, my mom used to always say, she's like, I'll do everything in my power to help you, but I'm not going to sit in the corner and watch you piss your pants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, no. it's, it's, that's just it. It's like, okay, the, things didn't go your way. Yeah. What did you learn from that? Yeah. You know, you either learned that you made a mistake or that you could have done something better or different, or you learned that this was outside of your control. Right. Or you believe that somebody or something else was responsible for your failure. Right. And I, I mean, I, I clearly remember growing up and my, my dad looking at me whenever I'd, you know, be throwing a hissy fit over something, you know, and he'd be like, just, just shut up. <laughs> just stop. Like, yeah, I'm not even yeah. interesting. Just, you know, and yeah, I learned really quick. Like, okay, this doesn't work. This doesn't get me what I want. You know, it cert it certainly doesn't. Now, unfortunately, if you were negatively rewarded, you would think that it should give you what you want. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's where we're at right now. Is, well, yeah. Is and people think that throwing a hissy fit automatically automatically gets them what they want because that's how they were parented. Yeah. Well, everybody points to the uh, everybody gets a trophy thing. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. But, but, but I think it's even beyond that because it, but because it, it got into the institution with like, leave no child behind. Right. Yep. It didn't even yep. matter how you performed in school. You weren't going to fail. You were going to the next grade. Yeah. You, yeah. you were and entitled it, to get that, that high school diploma. You're entitled to a college education, you know, like, yeah. And, and let's, let's just be baseline real here. There is absolutely nothing that is being promoted or encouraged by government that that uh, promotes uh, the an independent or a society of independent people. Every no. every single measure that is being promoted by progressives, either violently right or through institutional measures, is something that is garnered to create dependence upon a state and it, it's it's to weaken the individual and and this goes even even farther than that it goes into our our dietary uptake type of food we have the uh the the war against physical fitness <laughs> yeah. uh absolutely there i just uh, got finished reading an article that was put out like maybe a month ago. And it was by a professor who was espousing, it was an interview with a professor who's espousing the value of his heroin addiction. I, I think I know who you're talking about. That was, that's the guy, I think he's been on Rogan here recently. I haven't listened to him, but yeah, uh, he, he, he's, he's, he's talks about using heroin, um, you know, just, as a as a as a stimulant you know occasionally yeah. you know and, and i don't think he ever says he's addicted but i mean i mean i don't know <clears throat> the story about that well but also to play along that here in the last three weeks i've been seeing these videos of like 300 pound chicks in like bikinis and sundresses dancing yes. around saying don't fat shame us you know it's like yeah it's but the whole body positivity <laughs> mode right 
right. goes hand in hand with the, the, the no bullying concept, right? And again, it suits the fact that evolutionarily, um, individuals that were not healthy in a tribal sense, right, um, were encouraged to be the best contributors they could be to the overall health of the tribe. And if somebody was incapable of contributing to the tribe due to their physicality, they were derided for that until they did something about it. Right. Right. Well, and here's the thing. What okay. is missing is, is there is an aspect of the, of the concept of derision, right? Mm -hmm. that, is, that is missed in our greater society concept of it, which is in a tribal group, you still had that sense of familial um, uh, love and belonging. So if somebody was deriding you, if somebody, sorry about that, if somebody was deriding you, they would also be supportive when you changed your behavior. Right. And that equation is missing. So not only did we, not only did we curb that, that behavioral aspect, we, we also removed the, the recognition that, that it had another component which allowed the individual who was being derided to find a pathway to be accepted into society, mm. which is uh, removing a necessary bond. If, if you're part of any team, right? right. And, you're not, and if you're not carrying out a play, right, properly, then the team is not going to score. Mm -hmm. And the, the team will support you in correcting your ability to make that play so that the entire team benefits from a goal, right? Yep. It's not just bullying the other player. It's bullying the other player for a greater purpose. Yeah. Right. And that's improving both the individual um, uh, ability to play Mm -hmm. improving the record of the team as a unit that can play, mm -hmm. but also when that person does that corrective behavior, they get to share in the success of the team. Right. Yeah. You never hear stories about how sweet, sweet of a guy Michael Jordan was. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I haven't really. Every, paid attention to well, no, I, I, you, I, mean, I mean, they did that whole documentary on the bulls a while back from their championship years. And right. Everybody respected Jordan, but very few of them liked him as a person because he was not a likable person because he was so hard on all his other teammates. You know, he would yeah. be the he would be up their ass cussing them out on the court before, you know, their coach ever got a chance to say a word to him about something they did wrong, you know. And you see it with yeah. all the greats. I mean, you know, uh, the great quarterbacks, you know, or whatever, you always see that they're the ones holding the team accountable. They, that's why they have their team captain status. They're the ones holding everybody accountable, you know? Yes. It's the, uh, it's the role of the Sergeant major in a, in a, in a troop. Yeah. Right. He's the, uh, he's the guy that is not, not fully of the officer cadre. And he is your best friend when you're not at war and your worst enemy when you are. Right. Right. Yeah. So if you're hanging out at the base and, and you want to get a case of beer, he'll get you a case of beer. If you're about to go into battle and you have a fleck of dirt on your shoe, he is going to tear you to pieces. Right. 
<laughs> yeah. And that's just the psychological dynamic of it. Um, right. the, and there isn't a soldier that doesn't feel like they're part of a cohesive unit, even if they're having a strip carried off. Of them. Yeah. Right. Right. Now you had brought up the progressives a while ago and, and how they're not offering solutions, you know, from the government perspective, but I, but I would, I would counter that with no, because they started with a bottom up approach and they, they attacked all these other institutions that the government are, are having to fall in line with. And that if, if we are to, combat this on a large societal or global manner it's going to start with reinstituting the values of family um of 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 these traditional institutions whether it's academia or or um the church or whatever that it's going to start at the bottom you're never going to attack the the top of the structure and change the rest of society that you have to change society in order to get the top to follow you. Right. And I would suggest that in order to change society, right. What we have to reinstitute is the sense of humility that nature would provide us. Mm -hmm. You know, right. you don't go anybody, you don't get anybody that hasn't has climbed Everest and not felt really small when they got to the top. Right. You don't go, you don't get anybody that spends a lot of time in the Rockies that doesn't realize how small and harmless and, and vulnerable they are in, in the reality of the world. Right. right. But you got a lot of people walking around in cities that think they're 10 foot tall and bulletproof and that they can piss fire at, whatever threat they have coming at them and deal with it. And that lack of humility, right. Is, is part of what breeds that entitled entitled concept. Um, everybody walks around thinking that they are gods. Right. And ultimately that, that had its birth in, in the thicker concepts of religion when, when in the Buddhist sense, enlightenment was attainable through this practice. You can be more than just a human, and that is what our creator intended for us, right? Uh -huh. All you have to do is, is buckle to the edicts of this institution and accept this institution as your master, and you will be gifted with the concept of not being human anymore. Yeah. Um, and that, and that's kind of where it started, where we started deviating the yeah. separation of the separation of, of humanity out of the greater concept of nature as yeah. being separate from it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I remember as a, as a kid, my mom used to always joke and say that I could, I could just sit around and watch the grass grow. And I was always, I always had a love for nature and, you know, being in, in the city in Houston for so long, I feel like I kind of lost a little bit of that. And then my wife and I moved back out to the country and here in the last couple of years, we've been working hard on developing our property and gardening and, and getting that, that root in our food source and, 
I, I really feel like that's done something to me emotionally and mentally that I hadn't, you know, experienced being in the hustle and bustle of, of a large city. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would. It definitely would. And, and here's the thing. Um, uh, there are a lot of like chicken littles and, and, and people engaged in this argumentative discussion between a more traditional sense of humanity and a more progressive sense of humanity. Mm. And they're actually the exact same. The bottom line is if like you said, what you're doing is when you actually build something, right. That mm -hmm. is worth protecting. Then you are confident in a, your ability to maintain it, your ownership of it, your responsibility towards it and your own personal sense of how you fit into your little picture. You do not have time to argue with this communist online or to do a, a response video on YouTube. You couldn't be bothered. Right. So the, the way to combat this on an individual level is to shut out the noise and get busy building something. Right. Because because it is the people that build, right, that that are the people that will say no. Right. Yeah. It's not the people rhetorically saying no by responding to this and responding to that. It's the people that build. Mm -hmm. Right. They are the wall that stops stops progressive nonsense. Right. And, and the difference that building something provides is that you are confident that you have something worth protecting. Right. Well, and, and it also uh, one, I, I have gotten to the point, you know, over especially over the last year where I have very little patience to deal with people online. I just, you know, I do my podcast. I'll get on Twitter and jack around a little bit and, you know, tell jokes or whatever and be goofy. But I don't I don't look at it as real or even being vaguely important in my life, you know? Yeah. And it's a, it's a battle that has gotten so much noise online that it has been brought into the attention of the political movers and shakers that see all this hubbub as a way of getting votes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? I think Steve Bannon talks about separating the signal from the noise. Yeah. Yeah. And and what what politicians are perceiving is the online argument inflated. Right. Mm -hmm. And and instead of going with the principal position, they go with what appears to be the popular position. Right. But it's not the popular position. Yeah. The, the popular position is very much things that are ingrained in us through evolutionarily influenced behaviors mm -hmm. and demands and the things which we are designed to find purpose in. Yeah. Right. Um, again, that's, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous thing when you have a politician that is acting and creating policy based upon an illusion. Mm. Because you know damn well that they're not truly invested in any belief in what they're doing. 
but they are invested in the belief that it will get them votes. Yeah. Well, and, and we're heading down a really strange road here. I, I was listening to Vin Armani talk about this a while back and he's talking about, you're going to have these people living in this virtual reality and then you're going to have the creators and they're going to be the creators are going to be looked at much like the savages were looked at in a brave new world oh certainly and yeah. the the people in living in the virtual reality will eventually stop breeding because they'll be able to get the experience of childbirth or motherhood or fatherhood through AI. Tommy, they already have stopped reading. A lot of them have. Yes. But, I, but, yeah. but he's talking about even more. So he was, he was saying like that they'll, they'll, they'll be, if they want to experience what it's like to be a mother or father and get that emotional experience for a period of time, they'll just shut off their life and go into their AI world. Yes. Yeah. And they'll eventually, the transhumanist or the, the AI movement will eventually basically kill itself off and you'll only be left with those creators who had been living in reality. Um, <clears throat> that's, uh, uh, how do I put this? Optimistic. That's, uh, that's optimistic. <laughs> Um, the reason being is that with the concept of democracy, you eventually have a majority of people that are living in a virtual world influencing the policy of the real world, mm. which is not a desirable situation right. because that because that the shadow of that is what we're seeing now. And it's it's not looking too good. I don't know about you, but people living in a virtual reality in their head where the concept that police should be defunded does not necessarily match the reality of, of, of criminal material, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you know, part of me, I look at it. I told you this the other day when we were chatting about it, I was like, part of me, I'm like, that's their city. That's what they're voting for. That's what they want. Let them have it, man. Let them just destroy each other. I, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what else to say. You know, well, there's I, I there's nothing own. you can do about it. Right. I can't change their mind. Like you say, getting online and arguing with them ain't going to change their mind. So I'll yeah. just I'll just keep going to my house, living my agorist lifestyle, you know, and, and doing my thing and creating and building for my future, for my family. And I'll let them have their cities and they can destroy each other. Yes. And and the, the reality is that uh, nature hasn't let go of us. Um, in fact, nature is influencing the behavior of, of the individuals that are railing so hard against it. Yeah. And it's, it's very easy to see that the, the bottom line is they want to supplant, uh, the current hierarchies, um, because they can't gain status in that in current hierarchies and they want to replace it with hierarchies in which they can gain status. They already which, have. Means it, which means it's absolutely no different as far as an evolutionary behavior than than the status quo. Well, as far as I'm concerned, they already have. They're arresting people for going to church. The, the, the cops are arresting people for going to church and opening up their businesses. 
while they're sitting around watching these purple haired wildebeest burn down cities. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the power has already shifted hands, you know, the, it, the, 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 the the concept of power has shifted hands. Yeah. But the, yeah. the, the, the power is still with nature. Right. Because, I, because this, it's, a, it's still an exploratory behavior. It's just a matter of how invested, invested society becomes in that exploratory behavior. And the more invested they are in it, and the more that it goes against what nature has in mind, mm-hmm. right? then the greater the risk and the, the um, re-emergence of natural influence on curbing that behavior will be, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, like the backlash against any negative, negative behavior is proportional to the degree in which it was undertaken. Right. And the reason that, like I say, this feeds right back to it. The reason that we have derision in, in child culture, right, mm-hmm. is to minimize, minimize the duration and extent of investment into uh, negative behaviors, right? And something that, that, that can become forgettable, something that can allow a pathway of, of community and fitting in, um, and support and and we have that that same thing happening on the larger societal scale where that derision has been curbed and therefore the extent and investment is going to increase and and the result is going to be what we see now in the uh, teen sphere of increased amounts of suicides as a result of this equation not being fulfilled. Right. So you can take that and expand it to society with regards to greater harm caused, which is why I can't really buy into the accelerationism because this is, if this is accelerated to the point, then it's going to have a more devastating effect and not just on the individuals that are, that are partaking in this entitlement. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because we are a social creature. Right. Right. Yeah. No. And when I, when I say accelerationism, I just mean that I'm not going to try to stop them from destroying their own lives and, 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 and the, oh, yeah. and, the yeah. and the cities that have been built. I, well, when I say accelerationism, I'm talking about the actual philosophical concept of accelerationism. Yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to lean into it. I'm just kind of like, yeah, yeah. whatever, you know, <laughs> just like, yeah, I, 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 I concern myself a lot more with getting home every week. Well, that's just a that's just a realistic, uh, a realistic uh, stoic concept of determining what you can have effect on and what you can't. And right. instead of instead of wasting your time on things you can't have any effect on then spending that time and effort on things that you can. Right. Which goes back to, hey build something and then you're confident then you're confident in protecting what you've built right yeah no and that's that's why i I lean really hard into agorism um as as the only solution for people that think like us um because 
the these there's there's no going into these cities and and making any significant changes politically in these cities. Your you your best bet is, in my estimation is to get out of the cities, get get back to nature and you know live as agrarian as you possibly can. Yes, which is going to which is going to be a microcosmic uh, realization of the self as it relates to to our species mm-hmm. that that people that are living predominantly in urban environments um, have been fleeing yeah right fleeing mortality uh, fleeing imperfection flee fleeing um, the random aspects of life that can affect positive growth, not just negative outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so as far as if we're going to, if we're going to correct our path, the first thing that we have to do ultimately is start accepting the negative aspects of our species as having evolved to suit a purpose. And if that purpose is no longer, or I shouldn't say, if that that method in which that purpose was fulfilled is no longer applicable in the social model that we have or, or aspire to, then we have to find a way to replace that that function with something else that's going to give the same result yeah so if we're going to curb bullying right Mm -hmm. then we have to find a way to curb negative social behaviors right find a way that individuals can integrate into society find a way where a person is going to learn without having to make a mistake right mm-hmm. and and find a way to correct that outside of the prison system should it occur later on in the individual's life right and uh all i see us doing are taking things away and putting nothing back on the table right so and like i said this is going to lead into the into the other conversation about men um, yeah so we could we can probably leave it at that. Yeah, I think I think that's a good spot. That's we're just over an hour. I, I think we got at least a good launching point for people to think about. And uh, I think that'll work. I'm gonna stop uh, the recording. Pick and choose. Well, it's a game that was made for you to lose. It doesn't really matter how many times. It's the same old worn-out story, same old lines. There are one dirty fingers in hypocrisy, bragging on their feet of mediocrity again. Never really making any kind of change. Don't feed them cause we don't even need them I never celebrate the tyrants out of taking our freedoms 
fuck them, don't feed them, cause we don't even need them. I never celebrate the times that I take in our freedom. What's it gonna take for you to see that we're living in a wrecked democracy? Don't even need them, I never celebrate the time.